Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. to the Lord shall we father thank you that we can be together like this thank you father that we can gather around your word thank you that your word is life and light to us and we want to say this 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 morning or this evening father we value your word to us we thank you that you choose to speak to us that you do not leave us in the dark thank you for the way that you lead us by your word and by your spirit and we trust and believe that tonight you will once again lead us and inspire us and direct us through your word and take us, Father God, deeper and higher into every promise that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I have muted you all. I just want to confirm that you can hear me and you're all happy. Okay. Um, last week I spoke on the primary purpose of prayer or the primary purpose of persistent prayer and basically in a nutshell the primary purpose of prayer or persistent prayer is personal transformation we looked at john 15 how jesus spoke about abiding in the vine and as we abide in the vine and he and us and we become more like him we pray prayers we ask whatever we desire and it will be done for us we looked at how Jesus, in our fellowship, puts his desires in our hearts, aligns and conforms our desires with his, so that when we pray prayers, they're already inspired by his desires. We're already in agreement with God. And so the prayers bear abundant fruit because God's birthing them and he's desiring to answer them. We looked at James, how he said, you know, you ask and you do not receive because you ask for the wrong things, that you may spend it on your pleasure, on your comfort. And we discussed quite a lot around the theme of so much of our prayer time when we come to God. Although we know in our heads that prayer is not about getting God to do what we want. It's not about getting God to give us what we want and, and, and these things. We acknowledge that and we understand that about prayer. But yet at the same time, so much of our prayer life is asking God to do what we want and to you know do what, what will help us in our journey and our walk. Now, in a way, there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to come to him with our requests and with our hearts. But the principle we looked at last week is that generally so much of our prayer is focused on relief from what we are in or from the situation we are facing. God, please, we need breakthrough here so that we have release or relief from the financial pressure or breakthrough in this relationship because it's difficult or Father, move or shift this or help me in this situation. Let this Whatever is causing pressure, stop. And we looked at how when Paul prayed that prayer concerning the thorn of the, the thorn in his flesh, God didn't answer the prayer in, in terms of relieving the pressure. Paul says, I begged God three times that he would take this thing away from me. And God didn't say no. All he said was, my grace is sufficient for you to overcome. And the principle we learned last week is that 
in the midst of what we are going through. God is far more interested in the development of our character, making us more and more like Him, than He is in our comfort. In other words, God wants to work in us in the midst of our difficult situations to bring His life and His grace to bear in our hearts so that we become the force that brings change and breakthrough in the situation rather than sitting back and just waiting on God to do it. So God wants to change us. He wants to enable us to see things from His perspective so that we can pray the right prayers and through those prayers and through our lives and the changes we make in our attitudes, things begin to shift in our lives. So that was basically the heart of last week, how the, the, the first thing we need to remember when we come to God in prayer, and one of the main purposes of persistent prayer, being in God's presence constantly, is not just to beg of God, please God do something, and beg of God, would you change the situation? That's not really what prayer is about. Prayer is just fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping in His Word, and allowing that Word to transform the way we see things, our attitude towards things. I also shared my story about how certain struggles I was having last year, although those situations and the circumstances didn't change, my attitude and perspective towards them changed completely. And so there was tremendous breakthrough in that area. So I want to go on a little bit further tonight. And I want to take that same principle that we spoke about last week, that principle of being in the presence of God and allowing His Word and presence to change us and shape our heart attitude and take that into the place of prayer. And so the title of what I want to share with you tonight is The Prevailing Word of God. That's the title. The Prevailing Word of God. I want to start by defining what the word prevailing means. If you go look it up in the dictionary, you'll see it means something that is existing at a particular time or something that is current. Uh, you think of a prevailing wind. You'll often hear we'll have prevailing northeasterly winds. And that means that at that time, the wind will be sensed or felt coming from the northeast and they'll tell you how strong it is. Prevailing also means having the most appeal or influence. So despite all other breezes and atmospheres that are going on, this is the one that is you will sense. This is the one that will have influence. It means predominant. It means having superior power or influence. And it also means effectual. And the word effectual means producing or capable of producing an intended effect. So when I talk about a prevailing word of God, we understand that what I'd like you to understand is that there is a word that God is speaking over our lives, over our situations, that is prevailing now. It is in a time and a season that we're in, and it's concerning our current state, it's concerning our current situation, and our current circumstances, whatever they may be. And that word, as we've looked at, is a prevailing word, it's what's current, and it's also capable of producing an intended effect. We know James 5.16, the second part of that verse says, the effectual, in the King James it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth or avails much. I want to be praying prayers that avails much. Don't you? We don't have that much time in this earth. Never mind that. We don't have much time in our day. We are busy. Life is busy. And we, we carve out and we, we set priorities straight and we spend time in prayer. But the last thing we want to be doing is wasting that time praying repetitive prayers or praying prayers that get no answers. 
I want to be spending my time praying prayers that I know are on the heart of God, they are current for now, and that they will achieve great and mighty results. The prevailing word of God, folks, in other words, the current word of God, the word of God that he is now speaking, is the most powerful thing we have in our prayer arsenal. It unlocks and it releases something. And I want to teach you this principle from an Old Testament story uh, from the book of Ezekiel. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to look at chapter 37. We're going to start there today. Um, looking at an account where God took Ezekiel or gave him a vision of something. And, uh, and we're going to look through that. So Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 10. And it says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So we see two things here. This is obviously a vision. This is not a real thing, but it's a vision. He's giving a prophetic vision about and he wants, to, he wants him to understand and see something. These bones represent the nation of Israel, if you follow the whole story through. But he says two things. First of all, there were a lot of them. And second of all, they were very dry. And you could, you could use this for whatever context you may be experiencing dryness in your heart or in your life. Maybe you've got situations and there's just no life in it anymore. Maybe even your prayer time just feels dry. Maybe it's a relationship or... Something that you're giving yourself to. And it feels like it's just dry bones. The life has gone out of it. The love has gone out of it. It's become a chore. It's become a duty. It's not. There's no satisfaction or uh, fulfillment in it anymore. And then we see verse 3. It says, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Lord God, you know. Husbands, if your wife asks you any question, that is probably about the wisest answer you could ever give her. You know. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because he doesn't, he doesn't assume to know. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He doesn't give an answer that could reveal ignorance. He just pleads the fifth. He says, you know. Carries on. It says, again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So we see God giving the prophet an instruction. And he says, prophesy. Proclaim something over these bones. And say to them, hear the word of the Lord. And then he tells them what the word of the Lord is. Thus says the Lord God to these dry bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So here we have not Ezekiel prophesying. Here we have God telling Ezekiel what to say. In other words, giving him the prevailing word of God. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, 
the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So we see again, he prophesies. What he prophesied came to pass, except one thing, there was no breath in them. So God said, this is what I want to do. And the prophet prophesied accordingly, but not everything came to pass. So we see verse 9, he says, said, he said, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. We're going to read just that far. There's so many lessons and points we can draw out of this portion of Scripture. But I find it very interesting that God gives Ezekiel the picture of what he wants to do. Ezekiel prophesies that picture and it begins, it sets something in motion. But along the way, there's, it seems like there's more resistance. And I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you, 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 it's a business venture or a relationship or whatever it is that God may be leading you into. And suddenly you hit a snag of resistance and you maybe wonder, did I hear right? Did I, did I, did I really hear God? Did God really say? But then he comes through again. He says, again, he said to me, prophesy. Okay. So that's not happening. You prophesied. The bones came together. The sinews came on. The flesh came on. The skin came on. But there's no wind. So prophesy to the wind. Call the wind out and tell the wind what to do. And the point that I want us to, to get into our hearts this, today is that there is tremendous power in the prophetic spoken word of God. The prophetic spoken, uttered word of God. There is power to bring life to what is dead. There is power to bring hope to hopeless situations. There is power to bring healing and restoration. There's power to bring deliverance from bondage. There's power to align and to set a right, and whether it be on the right course or the right path. You know, last week I heard two testimonies that just blessed my heart. And one of them was a mother and a daughter. And the daughter is living overseas. Her mother is a member of our fellowship. And uh, because of her age, the, the mother's house is in her daughter's name. And it's kind of time for them to sell up and move into a an elderly, a frail care system. And suddenly the daughter wanted nothing to do with selling this house. It was now, she decided this was now her asset, even though it was the mother's money. And the parents were left, these, these elderly people with nowhere to go. And we prayed and we prayed over the situation. And the next thing, this daughter phones her mom and is just in tears, is shattered, had been so convicted. God had done an incredible work and had, brought such healing and restoration into this relationship. These are the kinds of things that, that can happen. You see, you and I don't have the power to change hearts. But God does. God holds the key to all of our hearts. And when we begin uttering words, when we begin waiting on God and speaking out that which He lays on our hearts, we begin releasing that power into the atmosphere and into the situations that we face day by day. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, and it says this. I'll read it for you. Every com uh, commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to, our fa to your fathers. 
And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Very interesting. That's the exact scripture that Jesus quoted when the enemy said to him, Why don't you turn these, these stones into bread and you can eat? And he said to him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And there's a, pro, there's a sense that it was, we, we don't just live by, by physical nourishment, but by the prevailing word of God. We, we live by what God is speaking over our lives day to day. And ultimately, through this Deuteronomy scripture, what God is saying is that, Israel, you will learn that regardless of your plans, regardless of your efforts, whatever I say goes. Regardless of how well you plan things or how well intentioned you are, regardless of how you strategize and plan things out, at the end of the day, it's what I say that goes. Doesn't that make us it all the more important for us to get to the heart of God concerning our lives, concerning what He's called us to. Proverbs 19.21 says this, There are many plans in a man's heart. Now if I had to ask all you men, how many wonderful, glorious, God-inspired plans have you had in your life? And you'd say, hundreds. If I had to ask your wives the same question, they'd say, um... Because we think our plans are glorious. And we think our plans are well thought out. And in our quiet moments, everything works out in our favor. And we, we've got this clear idea of where we're going and what we're going to do. The Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. That will stand. In other words, in the midst of the storm and where everything else around us starts going belly up, only that which is breathed and inspired by God will stand in the midst of those situations. You see, it's the word that comes from the mouth of God that contains both the wisdom and the power that we need at the time that we need it. I want to say that again. You see, this word, this Bible, is eternal. It is true. And yes, this contains the word of God. And although this contains truth, it doesn't contain all truth. There are some things that we see in our natural world that are truth. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We understand that. But there are situations that we're going to face every single day that the direct answer for is not going to be word for word in here. You and I are going to need to learn how to engage with the Holy Spirit and learn to hear His voice. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, it is good for you, it is better for you that I go away and be with my Father. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit comes. It won't come. But when He comes, He will guide you into all truth. What does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit is given to you and I. And if we have the Holy Spirit living within us, He has a desire to lead us into the truth of God for us. Now, what is the truth? Of, what do you mean the truth, Michael? I mean the truth of who you are. In Christ Jesus. The truth concerning that your marriage. The truth concerning your financial state. And how you steward what God has given you. 
the truth concerning your colleagues, etc., etc., etc. You see, our perspective is not always God's perspective. And what we need is His wisdom. What we need is the truth, not our version of it or our understanding of it. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to chapter 55, and it says, it says some incredible things. It's, it's, one of, it's my favorite chapter in Isaiah, chapter 55. But verses 8 to 11 have an incredible way of putting me in my place. And it says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Ouch! And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause grain to grow and producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish what I want it to and it will prosper wherever I send it. I think for me... If I can, if we can get our heads and hearts around the fact that God's word, God's spoken or prevailing word over every situation always produces fruit. It always accomplishes what he wants. It always prospers in the thing to which he sends it. There's not a time where God's word in a situation doesn't work out. That's an incredible challenge, isn't it? That means if I can get hold of what it is that God is saying over my situation and I can align my heart with that word and begin speaking and prophesying that word over my situation, that prevailing word is guaranteed to bring results. That's incredible. What kind of power has God given to us through his word? You see, it's the word. It's also interesting that he says here, the word, the word. Words are things that, that come out of our mouth, out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks, out of the abundance of, the, of, of God's heart, He speaks words to us. And words from the mouth of God are like seeds to our faith. Romans 10:17, you're familiar with the scripture. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now it's important that to understand that that verse does not say, Faith comes from having heard. It doesn't say faith comes from what you've already heard. Did you get that? You see, faith doesn't come from what you've heard before. In other words, from a previous situation or from a previous circumstance or from somebody else having said it or because you read it once or twice. Just because I've read a certain chapter in the Bible 15 times does not mean that I have faith produced in my heart concerning that chapter. How do I know that? I'll tell you how, and I'm sure you can bear testimony to this. I bet you that there are parts in your Bible that you've read 50, 20, 100 times, however many times. But there was one day where you were facing something, and that scripture became particularly relevant to you that day. And on that moment when you read that scripture, suddenly it's like a light bulb goes on in your spirit, in your heart, and you understand it from a completely different perspective. You believe it with all your being, and it completely changes and shifts you. What's the difference? 
At that moment, God was speaking that word to your heart. You see, faith comes not by what we've heard. Faith comes by hearing what God is saying now to you. Not what God said last week or what he said to someone else. That's not going to cut it for our faith. We need to hear and we need to keep on hearing the word of God if we want to see strong and consistent and reliable faith at work in our lives. There's a consistency to this. You see, a certain word of God will take me so far into or through my situation, but it'll only take me that far. I need the next word to move further and move on to the next place, on and on with God. It's the now word of God that is unique to our situation, and that's why it overcomes. It speaks right to the very heart of the matter. I can't tell you how many times I've gone before the Lord with a situation concerning people come to me and, or I need to counsel people and I'm saying, God, how do I approach this? How do I help this person? Because I think if I would just tell them what I feel or what I believe, I don't know that they'd receive it. I don't know that their hearts are in a place to receive it. And so often I've heard God say something to me. He'd bring up something so obscure. The Bible says he brings, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things of God. And I'll go, why on earth is that obscure reference coming? And I'll go to, to it and I'll read the passage. And my God, right in that passage, a portion of scripture, something pops up and it's just perfect for that moment. I want to give you an example of that. A little while ago, I was called to pray because certain people knew that I was a pastor. And this man's wife was dying of cancer. And she was a Jew. And they knew I was a pastor and, and uh, they, they knew me quite well and loved and respected me. And I do the, as I do them. And uh, I'm just getting the scripture from a New Living Translation here for you. But I'm saying, God, this woman is a Jew. What am I going to say to her? What am I going to pray for her? And I prayed the night before I went to her. I prayed that morning. And the only scripture that kept coming up in my heart is Romans 10 verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what I keep hearing in my heart. And so I go into this meeting and God, this Jesus thing could be a bit of an issue for a Jew. So anyway, I'm sitting there and we're having a conversation and we're talking. And this is all I've got. And so I, I open it there and I start reading. But listen to what the next verses say. Now, I'd read these before, but I had no, I was oblivious to the fact that they were really there. So I start reading and I say, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 11, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 12, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm sitting there and I go, oh my word, that is amazing. I, I didn't know that was there. Jew and Gen 
You know, that was just the key. That was just the thing that enabled a woman a week away from death to open her heart to Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior. She confessed him with her mouth. She received him with her heart. And she is with him now, I believe it, with all my heart. This is what the power of the prevailing word of God can do. In that situation. Now, I claim no glory for that. As you can tell, I was completely ignorant. But yet, I just had one sense of God's word. And it came in. And you know, I, I'll tell you something. Many ministers, they say they don't like doing funerals. I'll tell you something. When it's for a Christian and somebody I know is a believer, I actually really don't mind doing funerals. I know it might sound strange, but I enjoy them. Because there's a point of celebrating life. There's a point of celebration, a crossing over into the presence of God. And yes, we mourn and we feel sad for the loss. But there's something powerful and beautiful about that. So anyway, the point I wanted to make with this whole example is just that in a moment, a prevailing word of God can unlock a heart. It can unlock a situation. It can unlock provision. The question is, are we willing and are we prepared to take the risk? Because sometimes to us, that's all we can see is this risk. Will it work? Will it pass? Will it come through? Or will people laugh at me? This is where faith comes in. I'll give you another example. Because I just... Many, many years ago. And this this was one of the things that really shaped my faith in obedience to God when I don't understand. There was a meeting at another church. It wasn't my church. I wasn't even in ministry full time yet. But they had an altar call for people who needed healing. And... I sense the Lord say, go up. Not for healing, but to pray. They were also calling people, whoever wants to pray for them can come up. And so, whoa, you want me to go and pray for someone to be healed? That's scary stuff. That's risky business, God. So what I did was, I went and stood behind the ushers. And as people were being prayed for, I kind of stood there to, to you know, help catch in case anybody came under the power of the Spirit. And as I was standing there, my eyes fell upon a, a man who was sitting on a chair. And God said, I want you to go pray for him. And so you know what I did? I walked to the other side of the room and I stood behind some people there. Because this is scary stuff, right? I didn't want to go pray for anybody. And I'm standing there. And again, my eyes fall upon this guy and I knew I've got to go and pray for this guy. So by the time I get there, there's somebody holding this guy's, he's got back issues. And somebody's holding this guy's legs. He's sitting in a chair, he's holding his legs. And the one foot was about, one and a half, an inch to two inches shorter than the other. It's clear his back, his back sitting flat back against the chair and there the one leg is shorter than the other one. And God's saying, pray for him. What would you do? So I laid my hands on his leg and I closed my eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And as I said that, his leg went as hard as a rock. It was warm, it was hard and I... Open my eyes and the next thing I look, there's his legs, they're level. Now, who did that? I tell you this story not because I want glory for it. It's not the story I tell often. But in a moment of just simply obeying what is a prevailing word of God, somebody got healed. That is powerful stuff. 
So when I say to you that the prevailing word of God, if we allow ourselves to be intimate enough with God and abiding in His presence so that we can recognize His promptings, that was what last week was all about. We bring ourselves into a place where we can hear His voice, sense the unction of His Spirit, and begin doing and saying what God is currently saying over that particular situation to unlock something in somebody's heart, leading to healing, leading to salvation, whatever it may be. I'll give you one more example. And this is the final example I'll give. A little while ago, I, I did a, a, a healing course for some, young, for some ladies in our church who, who were quite old and many of them were struggling with frailties and pains and this and that, as some old people tend to do. And so I, Pastor Andreas said, Michael, run a course for them and uh, you know, teach them on healing and pray for them. So not out of great zeal, out of simple, okay, dad, obedience, I did it. And we ran our course, I think it was three or four weeks. And on the fourth week, I preached the message that faith works by love. And if we want to believe God for anything, we need to forgive. And in this woman's life, one of these old ladies, she was a lady who was, I won't say dour, but she was a very serious old woman. He didn't see her laughing or smiling much. She was just, you know, you know but I'll leave it there. And uh, it came time to pray for healing. And at this time, this woman was saying, you know, don't worry praying for me. I, I can't, I'm not going to receive healing. And I said, why not? I said, well, what's the issue? You know, is there someone in your heart that you need to forgive? And at that point, this woman, the, the waterworks turn on. I said, what's the issue? She says, my son-in-law. He had left her daughter. He had cheated on her. He had taken money. He just really left her daughter and their family in a horrible place. And there was so much anger and resentment and bitterness towards this man. And in that moment, I could minister to that woman in the area and in the facet that she needed, talking to her. And I, I remember she saying, I can't forgive him. And I just quoted the word of God to her and I prayed with her a prayer of forgiveness to release her son-in-law. I've never seen anything like it, folks. This old lady collapsed on the floor and she cried and cried and from the depths of her being. She sobbed. But I want to tell you something. She woke, she, by the time she got up off that floor, she was completely healed of, of, of every ailment that she had been struggling with for years. Everything broke off her. And I want to tell you another thing. She lived, I think it was four to six months after that. She died. But those four to six months, you saw a completely transformed woman. She was happy. She was joyous. She was smiling. She was just a completely transformed life. And again, why do I tell you the story? A prevailing word from God. I loved something. I've now told you three testimonies that I've witnessed firsthand. What is it that God can do in your life and what is it that He can do through your life? You see, the now word of God is unique to your situation and therefore it brings victory. It brings what, whatever breakthrough is needed. You see, knowing what God is saying gives us access to His power and to His victory. Saying what God is saying releases that power on our behalf. I want to say that again. Knowing what God is saying gives us access to His power and His victory. That's great. 
but begin to say that power, those words, you begin to release and, 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 and put that power and authority to work in your situation and see what God can and will do. We need to be speaking what God is saying over our lives and over our families. We need to be deliberately sowing seeds of faith. God, what are you saying? I therefore choose to believe what you are saying and because I believe it, I begin saying it. Even if the circumstances look completely contrary, even if I feel completely different. Maybe it's about yourself and your self-image. Maybe you don't feel the way God says he sees you. doesn't matter. Begin speaking what God is saying. Begin calling those things which be not as though they were. Don't speak your circumstances. Don't speak your fears. Don't speak what other people are forecasting or predicting. or re Speak what it is that God is saying so that you can unlock His life and His light in your situation. Isaiah 51.16 says this, I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations for the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Where did God put his word? In his mouth. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms. To do what? With the word that I am putting into your mouth. To root out and to pull down. To destroy and to throw down all that which is of the enemy. All that which is of the world. All that which is not of me. And then to build and to plant that which is of me. Begin to sow seeds of my power. Seeds of faith into your situation. And see what I will do. There's a New Testament. I'm just reminded as well. There's a New Testament verse which says the same thing. It's in the book of Romans. Where am I going? I'm in Titus. Hold on. Romans. I think it's chapter 10. Let me get there. Ten verse eight and nine. But what does it say? The word of God is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Hallelujah. In other words, God says, I want to put my words in your heart so that you can begin speaking them out of your mouth. Words of faith, which are the currency of heaven, which move heaven and earth on your behalf. Which bring into your manifestation and into experience the promises that God has given us. Where does it begin, folks? I want to tell you something. It doesn't begin by me just going every day, Jesus, please, 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 please. Oh, please would you change this. Please would you give that. Please would you do this. That's not where we're going to find it. And if that is what our prayer life looks like, we are praying way below the level that God has called us to be. He has not called us and created us to be servants begging our master out of just, to, just for a few scraps from his hand. He's called us as sons in his kingdom. He has given us power in his authority. He has given us his name, which is above every other name. And he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can be inspired and empowered to say and speak words and pray prayers which shift completely different paradigms into place in our lives. If we want to see kingdom change, 
we need to know what God says and then we need to speak it into life. We need to prophesy to those bones. We need to prophesy to those mindsets. And this is the key to powerful and effective praying. We receive from God and we begin to declare into the heavenlies. See, the Bible says the weapons of our, war, of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not fleshly. But they are mighty through God. For what? For pulling down strongholds. For casting down arguments. What are these things? These are ways of thinking. And for bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So we have tremendous power with what we say. Let me give you some more examples. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Folks, there is power in the tongue. Power. Power is released through what we say. And he says that if we love it, love what? If we love and understand this principle and we respect it, and if we put it to work, we're going to eat the fruit of it. In fact, truth be told, we're going to eat the fruit of this principle regardless of what we say. The wonderful thing is that we have a choice. We can either be speaking words of life and encouragement, or we can be speaking words of death and discouragement. We can keep reaffirming strongholds that are present and circumstances that are present in our lives, or we can begin to change them with faith-filled words that bring shift. James 3, verse 3 to 5 says this, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. Let's just pause for a moment. A horse is a powerful creature. I'm pretty afraid. I think they're beautiful, but I get pretty scared standing next to a horse. They are strong, powerful creatures. But yet you sit on a horse and you just pull those reins. You're going to direct all of that power in the direction you want it to go. That's the power of our words. He goes on to say, A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. I like that word, skilled captain. You see, if you don't know what you're doing and you're sitting at the helm of one of those big ships, you're going you're gonna to have an accident. You're going to cause trouble. But if you're a skilled operator, you're going to send it exactly where you want it to go. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Isn't this an incredible wake-up call to us? It's not only a wake-up call, but it's an incredible challenge. It's as though God is saying, I'm saying so many wonderful things over your life, over your situation. Why don't you begin getting into what it is that I say, believing it because I said it, and whatever I say is going to bear fruit. It's never going to return to me void. And begin speaking it out over your situation. I am giving you power and authority to change your situation. So instead of coming to me and moaning and complaining about your situation, why don't you say, God, what are you saying about my situation? What do you want to do in this situation? And begin speaking those words out. And then see the change happen. Final portion of scripture I want to read for tonight is a wonderful example of how this works. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 we have an account of a centurion who comes to Jesus. Matthew 8, we're going to read from verse 5 through to 10 and then verse 13. 
Matthew 8, 5 to 10 and verse 13. And it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, also having, or having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such faith, such great faith, not even in Israel. Let's jump to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. You see, what the centurion had right is he understood the power of a spoken word from someone who has authority or who has power. He could recognize that when Jesus spoke, things happened. And I want to say to you folks today, nothing has changed. While the primary prayer, purpose of persistent prayer is for personal transformation, the secondary purpose is to bring that transformation to bear. In other words, it's to let it bear fruit. Wasn't that the whole purpose? Wasn't that where we actually started last week? It's that we pray in things, we, 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 we get the word of God and we pray it into existence. We live it out in obedience. We follow those instructions. We take on the mantra of Jesus when he said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. And then we watch and see how God glorifies himself through moving on our behalf as we Pray those prayers that are born of his heart. I want to say this to you folks. This is without a doubt the greatest joy of any believer. You know, as I tell those stories to you, I'm, I'm moved with emotion. They're filled with their memories that are filled with joy, filled with excitement. Why? Because I was allowing myself to be led by God. This is something a lukewarm and miserable Christian simply won't understand. The joy of knowing God intimately and experientially, co-laboring with Him to see His kingdom advance through and in, or in and through your life. There, there is joy in that. There is excitement in that. But we've got to get over ourselves. That's the only thing. We need to be in that place of prayer where God begin, can begin dealing with us, filling us with a sense of His identity and purpose. That we can learn to recognize His voice Folks, learning to recognize the unctions of the Spirit doesn't come through five or ten minutes of prayer a day. It comes through persistent time in His presence. You know, my wife and I have been married for a little over ten years, and she can communicate volumes to me by a look from the other side of the auditorium. Why? I don't need her to use a whole lot of words. She just looks at me and I know exactly what she means, good or bad, whatever it may be. Why? Because I know her intimately. And it's going to be the same with God. The more intimately we know Him, the more His words have found home in our heart or an abode in our heart, the more those words will naturally come up 
and begin to transform the way we think, the way we speak, and the fruit that we bear and we see in our everyday lives. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is I want to encourage you to begin speaking that word of God that you know over your life. Maybe someone's prophesied some things over you. Speak them out. Pray the prayers of God over your life. Pray the word of God over your life. If something is not a blessing to you, if something is a difficult situation, begin to speak over it. Prophesy to those dead bones. I think I've told you this, this story once before. There's a pastor I loved and really he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord. And he used to answer his phone every time his wife called. He used to say, hello, blessing. Hello, my blessing. He always used to answer his phone that way. And I've known him for a couple of years. And one day I said to him, you know, I love, the, I love the way you answer your phone like that. You know, every time your wife phones, you say, hello, my blessing. It's really beautiful. He says, well, you know what the Bible says? Call those things which be not as though they were. Obviously, <laughs> Obviously he was joking. But the principle rings true, folks. We can't be, I don't want to say negligent, but we can't just remain where we are once we have this kind of knowledge. God is expecting something from us that leads to fruitfulness. Fruitfulness not just in this life, but fruitfulness that lasts into eternity. You see, you and I, every one of us, are going to stand before the throne of God one day. And we are going to have to give an account for everything that we have done and said. That which is born of God, that which comes from and through Jesus, will stand as our re eternal reward. Everything else is going to be burned away. You see, once we're coming to Christ, our judgment for salvation has already been made. We're not going to be judged whether we're going to spend our life in heaven or in hell at that point. That judgment has already been made. We're going to spend eternity with God. The question is, how are we going to spend eternity with God? Those kinds of things are determined by how we live life here every single day. We can't afford to just carry on with life as usual, oblivious to what it is that God wants to do in us and through us. And so this word challenges us. It calls us to come to a higher level. It causes us to examine ourselves and our situations and say, what of me and my heart attitude and what of my situation resembles what I believe God wants of me and the blessing of God in my situation? And what doesn't? And when I start identifying those things, I can say, God, what is it you're saying in this area or over that thing or over this relationship? And then I choose. I say, God, I believe what you say. And I'm going to begin speaking. it. I prophesy to these bones. I prophesy to that wind. Come, Spirit of God, and breathe over this relationship. Breathe over this business. Breathe over this situation. And I begin speaking the word and life will flow. Amen? Praise God. Right. I have now unmuted you all. And maybe there's some feedback. Maybe some of you would like to say something or there's some comment. I open it up to, to you. No comment? I think what you said, of course, is like true, true. I think it's, 
you know, it's 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 the truth. I mean, I think that's how I can speak that Lord the Lord has taught us to be out here, you know. Um Praise God. Thank you, Nikki. And I know in many areas of your life, Nikki, you've, you've seen the goodness of this at work already. Thank you, Michael. I enjoyed every reference, every word you said. Thank you very much. God Praise bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Ellie. Bless you guys. Thank you too. Alright, folks. Just want to say, I know I speak for Pastor Andreas as well. We really love you guys. We appreciate you and we are so grateful for you. We are so excited to see how God works in and, and through your lives and we are so proud of you and so grateful to God for you and that we can journey together with you. So I just want to bless you today as we close off. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you that your spoken word is always true. Thank you that it always brings life and light. Even when you bring correction, Father God, you bring it in such a way that you follow it right up with life and with grace. We thank you for your goodness to us and, and your kindness to us. And Father, I pray today for your blessing upon every single person and member of this house church. I remember also, Father, those who are in Germany who are not Christian, who has not joined us today, I just add him to the mix, Father, and I pray a special blessing over each one. And this is my prayer. That you would bless each one, Father God, with a deeper revelation of you. That you would give each one ears to hear and understand what it is that you are saying to them concerning the things that are, are, are rolling around in their hearts. Every anxiety will find peace, Father God, in the truth of your word spoken. That every fear would be silenced through faith in the spoken word of God. I want to pray that you would release over this family a prevailing prophetic word that overcomes and brings victory in trying and difficult situations as our hearts align to you and to your ways of thinking, Father. So I pray, Father, simply more of you, Jesus, deeper understanding of who you are and of your truth in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.